Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Trying to make heads or tails of the NAFTA situation. This changes almost hourly, depending on what's being tweeted out of the White House, of course. Uh, And uh, I guess one of the things that really uh, set the the fires aflaming about this were the uh, quote-unquote off-the-record comments uh, that Donald Trump uh, was quoted in from, uh, actually not from Bloomberg, it was an interview that he did with Bloomberg News, but uh, the Toronto Star got a hold of the interview, uh, and they were not bound by the uh, the promise of confidentiality that Bloomberg gave, uh, which obviously made uh, Trump rather irate. Uh, but those records that were, uh, they were words rather, that are on the record, and it certainly had an influence, and, and Trump certainly uh, wasn't going to back down. They actually printed my off the record. They said... President Trump said, off the record, and then they go on to this. I said, this is the first, this is the first. These are very dishonorable people. But I said, in the end, it's okay, because at least Canada knows how I feel. So it's fine. It's fine. It's true. Two smattering of applause. Uh, Again, actually, there's Trump conflating two different stories. Uh, It was not Bloomberg that reported the interview. It was the Toronto Star uh, through their sources that got the interview. But uh, Trump just seems to throw everybody into the same basket, obviously. But what does it do to the negotiations, which, by the way, are set to resume again tomorrow? Uh, because we've got conflicting uh, tweets from tw- uh, from Trump again about Canada's role in these negotiations, uh, suggesting at one point that it's not that important uh, for, for Canada to be involved, and he just might exclude them. Joining us to talk about this is Robert Rothwell, who is a professor in the Department of Canadian History at the Mug School of Global Affairs and a professor in the Department of International Relations at the Mug School of Global Affairs at the University of Toronto. Robert, thank you so much for the time. It's great to have you back in the program today. Delighted. Let me ask you about maybe the elephant in the room here. Whether or not Canada can be excluded, there are some uh, on both sides of the border right now, Robert, that are suggesting that, look, it can't do that. There's a, it's a trilateral deal. Uh, you can't just exclude one party, whether it was going to be Mexico or Canada. Uh, some others are simply saying, yeah, they can pretty much do whatever they want. What, what, is, is there a, a clear path here, for, or is this going to simply be up to speculation again? I think it's speculation. Um, I mean, uh, Trump's assertion that uh, he can renew NAFTA or something like NAFTA without uh, Canada is not true. Uh, I mean, the American rules or American laws are quite specific. And, uh, it, you know, what he was supposed to be doing was renewing NAFTA. That's what Congress gave permission for. Um, so that could be a problem. My guess is he might try to do it anyway. Uh, in which case it would get all tied up in litigation, absolutely bound to happen. But for Trump, um, I mean, I, I think the main thing is publicity or it's a PR event or uh, it's what's reported. The actual substance of it doesn't matter all that much. But can the president uh, arbitrarily uh, just scrap NAFTA as he's been threatening to do for the last year? Um, he can denounce it, yeah. I mean, there's uh, that's a technical term. Um, in other words, what Trump can do is give notice of the termination of NAFTA, which I think would take six months. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's in his power. Uh, on the other hand, uh, NAFTA is all bound up in particular financial legislation from Congress, and it's a lot more difficult to undo that. So while, yes, he could, uh, I think it's an executive power, uh, he could, um, give notice of termination of NAFTA, um, I don't think that uh, it would be gone entirely. So it would get all tied up in Congress, and you know the problem there is 
the Americans are about to have their midterm election, and uh, Congress will be adjourned for the election, and it doesn't get back until December. So, uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot of toing and froing. So if anybody's confused about what's happening, join the club. Yeah, it's a pretty long line at this stage, I would think. But but and let's let's about that point about responsibilities and and you mentioned just a second ago, Robert, that the, the the fact that these negotiations were even started was at the behest of Congress. I mean, Trump may have you know said I want to do this, but uh, trade deals are, are are actually done through Congress, not through the, the the White House, are they not? Yeah, I mean, if you look in the American Constitution, it's very plain. Uh, Congress uh, has control over trade. Period. But you know. That didn't work very well uh, because it's awfully hard for a foreign company, country to negotiate with 535 individuals in Congress. So the Americans worked out a kind of short circuit, and the short circuit is that Congress gives the president permission to negotiate on a particular deal. It has to be specific. And um, so the president gets that permission, then he has to bring it back to Congress, which has to pass it. So uh, while the negotiations belong to Trump, or a uh, Trump-like figure, um, the actual passage of the legislation uh, absolutely depends on Congress. So he, he can't implement something without congressional permission. In fact, he can't start negotiating without uh, congressional permission. Are you surprised that, that at least some members of Congress, I guess some of the Democrats, but any, a larger number of people in Congress have, have not pushed back against the president about this? Um, no, I'm not surprised. Um, I mean, it's Republicans as well as Democrats. And um, I think the, the reasoning there is that every, everybody is just astonished uh, that Canada is now the object of his rage. I mean, a lot of people in Congress and elsewhere uh, had grievances against Mexico, but Canada, I mean, Canada is the most popular foreign country in the United States, uh, and Canadians are generally regarded, if they're regarded at all, as uh, innocuous or friendly or best friends or what have you. So choosing Canada as a, as a target... Um, is not something that's going to get you political points, and, and people in Congress are aware of that. So, uh, I mean, that's the first part. And the, I mean, the second part is, of course, in the NAFTA negotiations, almost all the American grievances were against Mexico. But uh, Trump, uh, Trump has a particular animus towards Canada, which is quite unique. I mean, it's, it's, this has just never happened. Um, and he's made us his uh, his principal target. So, and the explanation for that is more psychology than, uh, than it is economics or politics. Although there obviously is a political bent to this. I mean, if you can put your finger on it, and it's very difficult to, to attempt to do this, but you pick up one day that where he really seemed to turn, it was probably after he left that G7 meeting and, and was outraged about some of the comments that the prime minister made, and basically accusing Trudeau of stabbing him in the back, although the comments that the prime minister made were really nothing he didn't say at the meeting itself two days before that. Maybe Trump wasn't paying attention. But that really seemed to turn the tide, and now he seems to be making it personal. Um, I don't think that Trump ever really liked Trudeau. Um, I mean, you know, here we're in psychology, but uh, I think he sees Trudeau as somebody who's very attractive, which he is, um, and, uh, you know, everything that Trump is not. 
Um, worse than that, I think he sees uh, Trudeau as um, a kind of surrogate for Barack Obama. Um, you know, uh, Trudeau and Obama are friends. And uh, Obama sort of passed the mantle uh, on to Trudeau. I mean, you know, this I've seen evidence for this. So probably Trump is reacting that way. And uh, But, you know, the other problem, of course, is that Trump says whatever comes into his head. Um, <laughs> and, uh, his grievances about Canada, um, or about Trudeau for that matter, um, are lies. Um, and it's, it's awfully hard to negotiate with somebody or deal with somebody uh, who sits there and repeats lies at you. So, um, you know, we're, we're caught in, a, in an absolutely unprecedented situation uh, where we're dealing with a, a negotiating partner um, where you can't really tell what you're negotiating about. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, uh, that's a huge problem. Whenever I see people suggesting that uh, Trudeau should rush down to Washington and fix it all up with Trump, I mean, that's nuts. Uh, and Trudeau's the last person who should be personally engaged with Trump. And, and I know people are looking at that and saying, well, why? you're absolutely right. I mean, obviously there was a chemistry between Trudeau and Obama, uh, I mean, as there was with uh, with Mulroney and Reagan, uh, but it hasn't yeah. always been that way. I mean, you know, Richard Nixon couldn't stand Pierre Trudeau, and, and certainly LBJ didn't uh, care much for, for Lester Pearson, but it never really seemed to have that much of an impact when it came to things like trade deals. It might have been a personal dislike, but it didn't filter down to that level. Yeah, well, that's absolutely right. Um, you know, don't forget, Nixon was highly intelligent and rational um, when he wasn't drunk. Um, but, and, and Johnson the same. I mean, they were very concerned uh, to keep trade relations, economic relations with Canada, on an even keel. And it never occurred to Johnson that he, you know, that he would retaliate against Canada for unfortunate remarks made by Lester Pearson. So, but Trump's different. Uh, I mean, Trump goes out and creates uh, crises, and obviously this is part of his negotiating strategy. And uh, it doesn't matter to him, really, what the, what the occasion is or what he's going to say. You know, he talked about 40 years of abuse by Canada of NAFTA. Well, that's just nonsense. Uh, but, of course, he has no idea whether it's true or not, and he doesn't care. Well, that was, yeah, the classic one, I guess, though, was when he talked about, you know, we actually have a trade deficit, and the prime minister corrected him and said, no, 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 we know it's a deficit. Uh, and, of course, the numbers, that's false. Uh, and even when faced with it, Trump admitted, yeah, I just made that up. Uh, but but his, his base buy it hook, line, and sinker. He needs only to tweet it, and it becomes fact as far as they're concerned. Yeah, I think that's right. And, uh, you know, that that takes us into a whole different realm of politics and psychology. Um, but let's not forget, the base are about mm, 35 to 40 percent of the U.S. electorate. Uh, Trump's poll numbers are starting to go down, at least the latest ones aren't very good for him. So it's possible uh, that, you know, the base will either not be as large as it has been, or alternatively, that even the base will find Canada uh, really quite implausible. Um, so I, I'm not sure that uh, the issue of Canada is is something where he can absolutely rely on the base. It's possible that the issue of Canada will start diminishing the base. 
How do you cut a deal, though, Robert, to your point from a couple of minutes ago, with, with a country that, that basically, as you say, is, is basing their arguments on falsehoods, uh, and Trump has, has admitted in the Bloomberg interview that he wants to make this deal as unpalatable as possible so that Canada can't deal with it. Uh, but we do, I would think, at some level, still need an after deal. But, boy, that's, uh, that's a pretty huge obstacle to overcome. Yes, it is. Uh, and I'd hate to be in Trudeau's uh, position. Uh, because we have a series of unpalatable uh, alternatives. You know, the Mex- obviously what he's aiming at right now is for Canada to come in and sign the deal that uh, Trump's emissaries have negotiated with the Mexicans. And that's a very bad deal. And I mean, not only is it a bad deal, but uh, it's incomplete in the sense that um, Trump has not rescinded the tariffs on steel, or on aluminum. Uh, you know, the Mexicans have gone onto their knees, they've signed whatever he wants, uh, and yet he, uh, he doesn't reciprocate by uh, canceling the, the steel tariffs. We'll have the same thing, incidentally. If we sign, uh, he will not rescind the, the, the steel tariffs. So uh, you have to think that this is a really um, bad deal. And just about every serious Canadian trade negotiator from the past 40 years, including some of the people who negotiated for Mulroney, uh, all say, don't sign it. Um, you know, and it's hard, it's hard to see, um, how we could. But, you know, let's just look at the optics. You know, I mean, I'll never forget that ceremony that he had last week with these wretched Mexican delegates, you know, standing there looking as though they, you know, they'd rather be on Mars, uh, and humiliating them, and then humiliating the Mexican president. Now, if I were Trudeau, or any Canadian prime minister, I mean any Canadian prime minister, I would realize that if I had to go through that, I could kiss my election goodbye next year. I mean, this, this will be a big issue in the next Canadian election, the optics are going to count a lot. So I would think that any Canadian politician, you know, whether it's uh, liberal, conservative, um, NDP, would look very, very cautiously at getting involved with Trump. There's one other thing, too. I mean, Trump has discovered this national security get-out-of-jail-free card and he's using it in a way that was never intended. And having, you know, having, having figured it out, sort of, and I, I think it's illegal personally, um, he'll use it again. I mean, he'll use it to bludgeon uh, his partners, his allies, or former allies, um, with, with whenever he wants something. So to give in on this is not to end the process. I mean, I think, unfortunately, it would just begin it. So, I, you know, even though the consequences on our side, the alternative, uh, is very unpleasant. Um, with I that in mind, that with that mind Robert, way. with that in mind, then, I've got about a minute left here, uh, what would the strategy be from the Canadian side, then? Do you, do you rag the puck here in, in the hopes that there's going to be a change in the midterms and maybe a change in attitude in Congress? Um. Well, something has to happen to galvanize Congress and give it a spine, which is, you know, as you know, pretty difficult. I'm pretty sure the Democrats would support Canada, because Canada isn't what uh, workers in the United States are really worried about. They're worried about Mexico, not Canada. So the Democrats 
I think, are likely to come on board. A lot of the Republicans have made very clear noises on the subject of Canada and the negotiations. And Trump's obviously afraid of it, because Trump is trying to... Um, uh, God, what's he trying to... He's, he's threatening Congress um, with as much as he can, because obviously he thinks that might happen, you know, that, that Congress would contradict him, would overrule him. Uh, there's also the question of time. Uh, this is two months prior to the midterms, and it doesn't look good for the Republicans. So plainly what Trump wants is a triumph uh, that he can wave in the, in the election and uh, sort of undermine his enemies. Well, we don't have to give him that triumph. Well, obviously, and that's, uh, that's the game that uh, I guess we're playing at this side. Well, negotiations uh, start again tomorrow. Uh, we'll certainly see what cards they're going to play. Uh, Robert, thank you as always. Really appreciate your perspective on this. Pleasure. Take care. That's uh, Professor Robert Bothwell from the University of Toronto. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.